This is a True Foundations podcast. Real time, real life, real answers. When in Isaiah 58, and somebody asked me to speak on, on fasting, so we're going to have a little look at that, but it is in a set in a context, a much bigger context. It's a good topic to understand. Um, in Israel, of course, it was well established as a practice that many of the Israeli people kept. Uh, in particular, the, the leaders, the religious leaders, they kind of had this idea that if they fasted in a certain way, uh, that God would do what he asked. Well, it's not quite like that. Now, first thing is it's really about refraining from things, uh, not trivial things. It's not like saying, I'm not going to eat chocolate today. Uh, it's got to be more more impactful than that. And one of the most impactful things that we have in life is food. And I hope we enjoy our food. It's a blessing from the Lord, isn't it? And it keeps us going. It strengthens us. And if the food is good food, uh, it will help us in life. Our health, our well-being, if we eat properly and well. But fasting says something. It says, that is not where our true life and sustenance comes from. It comes from God. And so there are times when it is good to fast, whether it is done privately, quietly, or whether there is a coming together of God's people because they see a particular need to seek God. It's humbling. God is the author of our lives. He is the one that gives good things to his children. And when we fast, we acknowledge that and we, we can say, I can do without something. My food, I can do without it for a day or whatever because I need to focus upon him, not on what I am getting, even though it might be good. I can focus on him. He is the author of my life. He is my strength. And from that place, we can come before him and we can begin to ask and open our hearts before him, knowing that he is the sovereign Lord and the giver of all good things. That's really what fasting is about. It's not a religious observance. It's a recognition of who God is. And it's saying that we don't have all the answers, but he does. And I am willing to bow down and humble myself that I might see his mighty hand move. That's really what it's about. It's kind of simple in a way, really. And the remarkable thing in it is this, that when we do it from a clean heart position, and we've got to look at that a little bit for a few moments, God is pleased and he can give with abundance to fulfill the good and godly desires of our hearts. And so in it, we like nothing. We gain everything. Now, just a little personal note here is that a long time ago, before we ever came to Canada, I felt a need to go on a fairly extended fast. Uh, and I fasted for seven days. I couldn't do that today because my body won't take it, you know. So if you've got some kind of medical condition and you don't feel impelled to do it, it, it's okay. Because in the end, it's not really about that. It's about seeking God. And I would have to say, remarkably, I never felt physically hungry at all during that period of time. Why? Uh, because... God was sustaining me. And it was a most remarkable time in my life. And out of it, God showed me some things which were for my seeing 
and not necessarily for public declaration, that absolutely revolutionised and changed my life. And I live from that reference point today. And this was somewhere between 25 and 30 years ago. And from that place, I continue to draw strength to do what is right before God. So fasting is important, but it is about humbling ourselves and trusting that we might hear the voice of God. And if we do, let it be a reference point for our lives. So we never take it lightly, glibly. We must always take it as being a very, very special thing under God, where we humble ourselves and recognize him as the giver of life eternal. So a few verses from Isaiah 58, and we'll continue on next week because there are some things that come out of this section that I think are really important for us. So we got these people, religious people, self-righteous people. Uh, they like to, uh, they like to have their power, and they didn't express it well. So I'm going to read from verse five. Will the fast I choose be like this, a day for a person to deny himself? to bow his head like a reed and to spread out sackcloth and ashes will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the lord isn't the fast i choose to break the chains of wickedness to untie the ropes of the yoke to set the oppressed free now this is not the yoke i was talking about last week different kind of yoke it's about oppression and to tear off every yoke is it not to share your bread with the hungry to bring the poor and homeless into your house, to clothe the naked when you see him, and to not ignore your own flesh and blood, then your light will appear like the dawn, and your recovery will come quickly. Your righteousness will go before you, and the Lord's glory will be your rear guard. So we have these religious people, these self-righteous people, and they look down upon the ordinary person and they found every means they could to oppress them the absolute opposite of what men of god should ever be doing but for some reason for some strange reason it's very difficult to understand they actually did believe they were in the right that's self-righteousness that's the way it works they should have had conscience about this but they didn't why because they were self-righteous i self-righteousness eradicates a proper conscious in somebody's life. That's the way they were. And so God took hold of his prophet Isaiah, this great man of God, and he gave him an understanding and a message to give. It was a message, firstly, of bringing out of the darkness into the light the behavior of these self-righteous leaders. They were being exposed. That's what God does. He exposes. And this, this is kind of tough stuff. But that is the way things are. This is what God does. You can read it throughout the Old Testament and it doesn't finish there. It moves into the New Testament. God exposes wickedness. And sometimes he shows it point by point exactly for what it is. This is what he did here with Isaiah to these men. They were experts at fasting. They knew all the rules. They'd invented some of them, no doubt. And they kept to the rules. We have to do this and we have to do that. And they were proud of their 
what they thought was righteousness. They were proud of it. Look at us. This is what we do. We must be good men. God must approve of us. But there was a problem because they were asking him for something and they weren't getting it. And it perplexed them. Instead of thinking the problem is with them for some reason, they kind of thought the problem was with God. Why is he not listening? Well, it makes sense. Why? Because they were wicked. So what I want to say to you is this. Don't bother fasting. If you've got stuff going on in your life that you are guilty of, don't bother fasting. That you have not confessed in the presence of God and received the forgiveness, don't bother fasting. It's a total waste of time. In fact, it is worse than a waste of time. It is judgment to you. This is why Isaiah is explaining. So let's fast from a different place. We have to hear this first because we have to be challenged, each and every one of us. Is there, is, is there something in my life that, that is offensive to the Lord? Well, it should have been clear here because they were oppressing people. That should be obvious. But for some strange reason, they thought they were entitled to do it. So we examine ourselves. And if we are at fault, we change our ways. Instead of oppression, we look for opportunity to bless those who are in need. Isaiah is speaking to some specifics here that these people were doing that they ought not to do. But the general principle is wider than that. It's, you've got to change your ways. You have to look for opportunity where the blessing that God would give to people through you, you're taking hold of it. You're doing it. There are many ways of looking at what poor means in the Bible. Sometimes it is just absolute poverty. It's financial. It's other things like that. But increasingly we understand as we move to the New Testament that the poverty relates also to spiritual things. And so we must look for opportunity in that area as well. We need as God's people to look for opportunity to bless those who need blessing. Whatever it is. Whether it is through some kind of difficulty in life, some poverty that has come upon them, not even their fault. Or whether it is spiritual poverty in which they are just not doing life well because they have not moved into that place of freedom that comes only from the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we must be active in that to seek them out to share the gospel, to live the gospel, so that there is opportunity for them to take hold and be free. God has a message for them. He exposes them, because unless you are exposed, you will not acknowledge and change. So this is the mercy of God. It is kindness to a wicked people who have turned away from him and have gone their own way. He says, if you'll do this, then what's going to happen you see all this praying and fasting for god to do this that and the other whatever it is whatever the issue was that amounted to nothing only disappointment from their point of view and even to look at god and think there maybe he can't maybe he's not everything he says he is he's not doing what i ask what i want 
Instead of that, there is a change of heart. And there is an acknowledgement of who God is and what it is he is willing to do. You see, God is willing to do wonderful, wonderful things for his children. He says, when you get to that place, this is what will happen. Your light will appear like the dawn. Now, I've not seen the dawn very often in my life, I have to say. I, and I know there's some folks here probably see the dawn every day. But you know, when darkness changes and light comes, it is such a delight. And what we see in the natural world, the natural order of things, often reflects something far greater. Because that is the way that God has made this world. The light comes and the darkness is pushed away. And is that not what we want to see more and more in the people we know and care about? In the people that God has placed in our path, that we might be able to share the wonders of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's when these other things are put away that suddenly things change. And actually, we become entitled. We weren't before. And he said, I'll do this for you. I've always wanted to do it for you. Then your light will appear. It's a wonderful thing. Because what happens when the light appears is absolutely nothing to do with our ability. It's God's doing. We need to be looking, open our eyes. But it's God's doing. Your light will appear like the dawn. Our light is only because of what Christ has done within us. It's his light, really. Then it will appear like the dawn. We can't do that. But God can, and he will. And your recovery, now this is a very interesting way of saying things, isn't it? Your reco recovery will come quickly. These are people, in some way or other, even though they didn't think they were doing this, they were rejecting God. Uh, they were rejecting him because they were not humble. Uh, they were oppressive. And they had made their own system of religion. Uh, and they decided how they would worship God. It was all within their control. And God says, that's not acceptable. My judgment is upon you. But there is a way forward. And in that place of return to God and his ways, he says, you'll recover quickly. I think that's wonderful, isn't it? That means that God is willing to put the past away. We must be. We must not live our lives in reference to the wickedness of the past but rather in the light of his coming. And in that place, all of that past can go because there is recovery. I remember one of, one of my doctors way back now, uh, I don't know, I'd been to see him about something. It's a long time ago. Uh, he was here in Canada. Uh, he, he was a really good guy. He was one of those doctors who'd chat to you and uh, he'd give you some good input. And he said, you know, it really doesn't matter what you've had physically, as long as you recover. <laughs> See, I mean, yeah, of course, that's obvious, isn't it? Is it? Because some people don't live like that, do they? He said, it don't matter, you know. He, he said, it don't matter if you've had this and you've had that. It don't matter if you nearly died. He said, as long as you recover, you're okay. I mean, that's, that is just such kind of homespun wisdom, if you like. And that thought, I, I've never forgotten that. Well, that's true. 
So the past is the past. You shouldn't have done it. You should have been in a different mindset. You should have lived differently. You shouldn't have been an oppressor. You shouldn't have been this. You should have trusted God and all of that, but you didn't. But when the light dawns, because you've decided, I, I'm going to humble myself. I'm not going to be like that anymore. I'll learn a new and better way. Or God says, your recovery will come quick. That's wonderful. What a great delight. That's something worth working towards, isn't it? That is something that definitely, as, as you seek God, is worth looking at and saying, Lord, let, let, let my recovery come quick. Let the recovery of God's people come quick. Because anything is possible, if that is the case. Your righteousness will go before you. The Lord's glory will be your rear guard. Now, we know the glory of God is the manifestation of his power and presence. I kind of like that at my back. See, you can't see behind you. One of the things that, that I, I've heard a lot of mothers say to the kids is, you shouldn't be doing that because I've got eyes in the back of my head. Some of you might have said that. It's not actually true. But sometimes it's somewhat effective to kids of a certain age. And of course, it was never said in order to deceive. But I kind of like the idea of the glory of God being at my back. Because then I, I don't have to worry. I, I don't have to think, oh, they're against me. You know, that guy's going to do me down. I don't have to think about that. Oh, this circumstance is going to come. Uh, and it might do this and it might do that. I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to think about that. Why? Because when we are in this place, and it's a humble place, we have sought the Lord. Uh, and yeah, maybe we have understood this idea of what fasting is all about. And maybe that's, that's what we've done because we've sought the Lord. And we've done it cleanly and honestly. And you look to him and you wait for the light to rise. You wait for him to come and do those good things that he has placed upon your heart and mind to do. And in that place, the righteousness which Christ gives to us, it dictates our path. We move forward with it. It's with us. It shows itself. But you don't have to keep looking over your shoulder. I think that's a terrible way to live. Maybe people live like that because they don't want to get found out. Maybe that's one of the reasons. But this place that God offers to his people, he says, you don't need to worry about that. I'll watch over you. There is no better place to be in than the security of God's goodness to all of those who are willing to walk in this way. And next week, we're going to press this a little bit further. Uh, and the section that we are going into has been a very formative section in the whole of my life. It means so much to me. And we're going to look at that passage. It, it is for me one of the most defining passages uh, that the church should ever pay attention to. In our day, Israel needed to pay attention in their day. God does not change his goodness, his almighty power. His wonderful salvation purposes. His ability to take those who are broken, those who are wicked, and change them so that the light of Christ, who is our salvation, rises up within us and shows itself out there. These are wonderful things 
to meditate upon and to seek God that we might see his hand move in our lives, in our day, that great things will be accomplished for the sake of his gospel. Amen. Thank you for joining us. True Foundations is headed by David J. Jones, a preacher and teacher of the Word of God. His passion is to help individual Christians discover their true identity in Christ and to learn how grace operates in their lives. Currently residing in Canada, he is taught in both North America and the UK and has listeners all over the world. If you have questions about anything you've heard today, please email us at info at truefoundations.ca. Or for more information on True Foundations resources, please visit our website at truefoundations.ca.